so uh, we've been talking about the fact that uh, the church doesn't just want my money. All right, so you know how I like to start off, right? So tell me what have you learned so far uh, from this study, uh, if anything. Let me know what you've learned so far so we can kind of get a good kickoff. Give it out of love, all right? Okay, give it out of love. All right, anybody? Any any testimonies of blessings? Um, job, maybe you had needed a job and God bless you with a job or maybe uh, it's something you've been praying about and you've seen God work. Any testimonies? Testimonies? Uh-huh. Okay, so the testimony about God's faithfulness because you don't miss it. Right? Amen. Because when you when you start thinking about tithing, you're like, man. I'm gonna miss this. I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna need this. This is something I, this, this, listen, I, you know, it's in my budget. You know what I mean? But, but you just said something. It, it's funny because what I always say is that we cannot not afford to tithe. Right? Because one of the things, that, and, and in handout four, we'll, we'll talk about, not tonight possibly, but it lays the case for in saying that God has a particular plan. And in that plan that God has, he wants us to be faithful in it. Amen? Oftentimes, saints, what happens to us is that we often find ourselves uh, not... Um, trusting God in the area of finances. Right? And, and here's the thing. A lot of people say this. The church just wants what? I mean, that's, that, I mean, that, is that the truth? I mean, that's how we think. I mean, if you haven't thought like that, then you lying in church. Amen. Churches want my money. That's all they want. They want my money. I don't see. But but have you ever thought about it? The same place that you make that accusation at is the same place that you run back to every week to get a word from who? From God. Even as crooked as the preacher is, you keep running back. Uh-oh, see, I'm talking tonight. Amen. You keep running back to the church to say, hey, listen, I need a word from God. What keeps you coming back? See, so so what I'm, what we've established, if you look at handout number three now, if you look at handout number three, we talked about this on last on on um, on Sunday. We said there are three ways in which tithing is what pleasing to God. What was the first way? By being what obedient to what His word.
Alright, I'll, I'll pass the passage we've been working them from. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi th- chapter 3 and verse 10. We're going to look starting in verse 8 through 10. Alright, we're going to look at this tonight. And, and we're going to see that it's about what? Obedience, right? That God wants what? God wants us to be what? Obedient. He says here in verse 8, he says, Will a man what? Rob God. Now remember, the people were saying, we ain't doing nothing wrong. Have you ever been there? I ain't, I'm not doing anything wrong. Watch this. I'm, I'm just, I'm just doing the best I can. You ever, you ever had that excuse for God? <laughs> I'm just doing the best I can, but God says, Hey, you, you've been, you've been what? You've been what? You've been robbing me. And let's look at the exclamation mark. He says, you've been robbing me, but he says, but you say, comma, and notice God quotes them. How have we what? Robbed you. Well, 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 God answered what? In what? In tithes and offer. Next verse. He says, you are what? Cursed with a curse. Now, unfortunately, remember what we said. We are no longer under the Old Testament law. We are under what? Grace. But the principle of the passage is still alive today. Have you seen a non-tither lately? Come on somebody. Have you looked at the life of a non-tither? Amen. It doesn't look good, does it? People who hold on will never receive. Now watch this. God says that there are two things we need to do. First of all, we ought to what? Be obedient. Second of all, we ought to what? We ought to give him his what? Portion. So do me a favor. Go to Pro, go to Nehemiah chapter 10. Go to Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 35. Nehemiah chapter 10. And I'll show you something. Nehemiah chapter 10. And verse 35. But what I want you to do is I want you to read. My goodness. I want you to read from. uh, Let's see here. Read from. Well. Well. Verse 34. Let's look at verse 34. Let's look at the context. He says. He says. Likewise. We cast lots for supply of what? Wood among the priests. Levites and the people so that they might what? Bring it where? So here's, here's what I want to say to you. One of the things we want to establish about tithing is this. That it is to take care of God's house. Every time I see it in scripture, it's, I see the people bringing something to God. Watch this. When you come into the presence of God, You should never come empty-handed. You should bring your best praise. Come on, somebody. You you should bring your 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 best offering. We saw Cain and Abel last week. Remember that? And, And and I showed you that God is interested in how you bring it. And I told you this: if you don't have a good attitude about it, please put it back in your purse. Please put it back in your wallet. Please put it back in your pocket because it's not benefiting you. 
or the kingdom. Because the Bible says that God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Now watch this. He says, so, so, that, so that they might bring it to the house of our God according to our Father's household. At what? Fixed times when? Now remember, they would bring an annual tithe to the church, to the temple. Why did they, why was it like that? Why do you think it was like that? Right? There you go. So the distance, and not only that, but they could only worship once a year. <laughs> they, you, you follow what I'm saying? So what they would do is, they would, if they had goats and, 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 and perishable things, they would exchange it for money and they would hold on to it, watch this, until they got to the house of God and deposited it, watch this, where it needed to go. So what the, what Nehemiah was saying, what had happened was, when the walls had been broken down, right, after the people had been in Babylon, and Nehemiah had went back to home, he went back home, he says, you know, he went back home on this mission trip, right, and he went back and they built the walls. Here's what happens to people. Just because something is going wrong in your life doesn't give you the right to stop doing what you were doing for God in the first place. Just because something, some tragedy or some trial shows up. And isn't it amazing that from when the trials show up, what do we do for, what's the first thing we do? First thing we say is, I can't do that no more. I'm not going tonight. Amen. I, I can't afford to do that anymore. Why? Because my income's been cut. My, my, this has been, have you thought about who blessed you? Have you thought about who you were coming to worship? And so what had happened with the people in Nehemiah's time, when the walls were broken down, remember they were in Babylon, they came back, right? And guess what? The one thing they had forgotten to do, one thing they did not do, right? That first of all, the wall needed to be built, rebuilt, but nobody had the courage to step up and say, you know what? It's time to start building again. The wall represented protection. That's what the wall represented. The wall represented safety. And watch this. In your life, what you'll find, there are times when you will find a breach in your wall. I'm going somewhere. You'll find weaknesses in your life. And what the enemy will try to do, he'll try to cause you to believe that you can't do your best for God. Amen. But watch this. Watch what happens. He says, he says, you would bring to the house of God according to the fast, according to our father's household at the fixed times annually to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is what? See, now that, now I want you to highlight that in your Bible. That's very important. Tell you why I want you to highlight that or write it down or make a note to a bookmark it or whatever. Because that's about obedience to God. What Nehemiah was pointing them back to is this. Hey, y'all, we got to do what the word has said to do. All right. Now we have a lot of people that argue about. Well, we're no longer in the Old Testament time. 
Tithing is not for today, and I believe that. I truly believe that. I believe that the principle of tithing is for today. I believe we're under grace, so watch this. So remember what I showed you. Lee, you got my, you got my deal? All right? I believe that you ought to give out of grace, not according to what? A what? A percentage. That's what I've been teaching you for the last four or five weeks. We don't give by percentage, but we, we don't drop under the 10 either. Why? Because, here we go. I told you I went to the restaurant not too long ago. Me and my wife and the kids when I came back from Los Angeles. And we went out to eat. And here it is. Now, this, now I thought that the suggested gratuity was 12%. But I was in for a shock when I found out that it's a whopping 18%. Now, remember how I've used this illustration. Watch this. 20% and then 25%. Now, what the waiter is saying is, based upon these percentages, watch this. Based upon the service I've given you, watch this now, I think you should look at it and say, okay, if I've done a good, if I've done an okay job, I'll take 18. If I've done a medium job, I've done a, you know, all right, I'm did okay. I did what? If, but if you thought I did a great job, then I ought to what? Give what? 25%. Now let me ask you a question. God, <laughs> come on somebody. Come on, somebody. God who's in a class all by himself. God who created the universe. Watch this. You've been saying, well, I've been tithing. Yeah, but have you been giving your waiter more than you've been giving God? And what we have to do is look at this concept to say, listen, I'm no longer, I'm no longer going to think about a percentage. I know what the 10 is, but I want to pray in my heart. I'm going to say, God, whatever you would want me to give today. Listen, and if you're stuck at, at $25, that's your 10, then you're not giving out of a heart that says, God, I'm trusting you. But when we go to the restaurant right now, here's the thing. You don't have to give them any of this. Am I right? But b because it says what? It is a what? It's a what? It's a what? It's a ha. Ah, it's a guideline. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to use this guideline on how I bless God. I'm not going to do 10 because I'm not under the law. I'm under what? Grace. Now watch what grace says. Grace says you should give it all. Amen. That's what grace says. According to how God has what? Can I ask you a question? Has he blessed you? How many can testify tonight? Over, thank you, sister. Over and over. And listen, and you know what they say. And he keeps on blessing me what? Over and over and over again. Now, now watch this. Now, in your mind, in your natural mind, right? Here's what you're saying in your natural mind. In your natural mind, you're probably saying, man, hold on a minute. <laughs> Did he say I got to go above? <laughs> you know, in the natural mind, you know, you say, man, hold on a minute. Now, now, 10 was hard enough for me. Ten, 10 was hard for me just to get to 10. But now you're telling me, I'm not telling you you got to do anything. What I'm suggesting to you, come on somebody, is that you reevaluate your heart. And you say, God, you have, listen, you, like the sister said, you have blessed me what? 
over and over. Watch this, watch this. When I didn't deserve it. Come on, somebody. When, when I should have been written off because I knew I messed up. Come on, somebody. God stepped. Listen, when I was at the job and listen, I knew I did something jacked up. And listen, it was grounds for me to be fired. I, come on, somebody. His grace and mercy stepped in and said, okay, I got you covered. Right? Isn't that something? When you had that difficult co-worker. Oh, you want to testify or uh, what? It ain't over, but, 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 but you see what I'm saying? What I'm saying is rejoice in the midst of it so that when it does get over, you're going to have a stronger, stronger testimony, but you're going to have a better praise. See what I'm saying? God knows how to take care of things, but what we have to do is have the ability, saints, to trust Him. Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with what? With all your heart. Lean not to what? Your own understanding. In all your what? Ways. Do what? Acknowledge him. And he will what? Amen. Watch this. Go to the next verse. As it is written in the law. So, so let me say this about God's word. It's true. It's holy. It's alive. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So here's the thing. Whenever we look at a principle in Scripture, we must also always say to ourselves, if God says it, that settles it. And if you've lost your way in this journey, you must go back to the book and find out what God has written about it. I want you to write this down for me. Scripture, the Bible, watch this, is sufficient. Write that word down. The Bible, just wrote the Bible. The Bible is sufficient. What do I mean by that? Say, say again. It's, 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 it's enough what you say. That's the word. That's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And, and so when I was teaching my students last night, this is what I taught them. I said, I said, the Bible is so sufficient that it is not, what did you say, Sister Rome? What did you say? It is what? It's all you need. Alright, I, I, I said to them along last night, it contains all that you need. It has, so sufficient means it has everything you need for every issue that you face in life. It is written. Now the reason that that is, is not only that the word is sufficient, but watch this, God is sufficient. And here's the thing about God. I want to lay this on you tonight. He sees everything. God does not see everything as we see it. God sees the totality of everything because God is not limited to time. 
Therefore, he wrote the word which you would mind. Because he knew that you would need some insight. Come on, somebody. In some things in life, so he writes it. Watch this. In its totality, it's sufficient. But because he sees everything, watch this, in its totality, it means that he sees the beginning, the middle, the in-between, the middle. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And he sees the outcome. And so because God sees it in its totality, that when it comes down to like things like my money, my money, it's not yours, <laughs> it's God's. He knows that when you release it, watch this. He knows how you release it. He knows what type of heart you had when you released it. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to bless you. Not because you were looking for it. But because you wanted to be a blessing to him. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. And that they might bring. So what did he say? He says at the fixed times annually they would bring their, their burnt offering really to the altar. Verse 35, and that they might what? Bring the what? The first, mm, the what? The first, I don't think you hear me here. The, the first fruit of what? Our ground and the first fruit of all the fruit of what? Every tree. Now, this is interesting to me. He says that they would bring the first fruit of every tree to what? To, to what? To where? But the church just wants my money. First of all, it's not your money. Second of all, you have to bring it back to the place Come on, somebody. Where God's presence resides. God says, it's mine. Oh, man. Let, let, me, let me jump ahead. Now, we're coming back to this, but let me jump ahead here right quick. Golly. Watch this. Watch this. Where is that at? Where, where is that at? Uh, go, go to, go to, go to, um, Go to, go, go to Haggai. Haggai 2. We're coming back to Nehemiah though. We're coming back to Nehemiah. I want to finish Nehemiah. Haggai. Ah, goodness. Chapter 2. And verse, and verse 8. Look, 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 look what he, look what he said. Man. But I find it interesting that he says, y'all, Here's the thing. Remember the context of Nehemiah, right? The walls are broken down. They hadn't had church in a long time. Nehemiah is reestablishing them. Watch this. When a person, we had a lot of restoration Sunday. I call Sunday Restoration Sunday. 
restoration. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, we had people coming back to the Lord and people getting saved. I mean, it was so far this, and I put it in your handout. 90 people have given their lives to Jesus this year under this ministry. They were either restored or got saved, baptized. We baptized some on Sunday. Here's the thing. If you don't support the church, then what would have happened to those 90 people? There's 90 people who would have not come in contact with the Lord Jesus. Because as a church, we serve a what? A purpose. So watch this. When the walls were broken down, right? Watch this. The people just started to become like They're like, yeah, I ain't got to go to church today, you know. You know, I'm going to take my tithe. I'm going to help somebody at the shelter, you know what I mean? You know, you know, folk do that kind of stuff. You know, I'm a, I'm a hold on to ties because I don't think they're doing right down there at the church. That ain't your place to judge. Here's the thing. If it's God's house, you make your way there, especially if you've been ministered to in that house. If God caused you to be on the roll on the attendance list, you ought to show up and say, I want to play a part. And how I'm going to play a part is I'm going to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Watch this. Watch, watch what God says. God says here, he says, the silver is what? Mine. Now, I'm, I, don't know, I don't know if you've seen it, but you see the capital M? <laughs> what does the capital M suggest? It's what's called a proper noun, and that means who? God. He says what? The silver is mine, and the what? You, you know, God already said it from the top. He said, listen, listen, all this stuff is mine. Everything is mine. You may have thought it was yours, but guess what? It is what? It is mine. He says what? He says the silver and is mine, the gold is mine, declares who? Declares who? The Lord. The Lord of hosts. God says, listen, it's not yours. It never was yours. As a matter of fact, I'm allowing you to participate in my plan. You remember when you didn't have a job? Hmm. Anybody remember that? And you really wanted some money. You really, really want some money. And listen, God says, I'm going to bless you now. I'm going to take you out of that deficit. And I'm going to bless you. And when I bless you, I'm going to bless you so good. But here's what I want you to do. It's just so happened you're here tonight. God is telling you, listen, I want you to learn this principle. It's not yours. It never was yours. Go to Psalm 50 and 10. Go to Psalm 50 and 10. I'm jumping ahead, but I just had to. Sorry, it just placed right. Psalm 50 and verse 10. Now, now y'all, y'all, you know, all you Baptists folk know about this. Amen. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Psalm 50 and what? 10. What does it say? Every what? Is what? Now, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. God says what? 
Now what did he say? What did he say in Haggai? Declares the Lord of hosts. God made it very plain. It's mine. It belongs to me. But God did not, God's not just into material things, y'all. <laughs> you probably said, but he wanted to establish something with us. And he wanted to establish something with them because you know why he had said that in Haggai? Because they had fallen in love with idols. They had fallen in love with their cars and their commodities and their cash. They had gotten tainted by false religion. And what they had done was they were worshiping, watch this, the creature rather than the creator. And there are times when we can get so wrapped up in, in our occupation where we start putting God to the side. But watch what, watch what God says now. He said, not only is that mine, but every beast of the forest is mine. The what? On a thousand hills. It's his. It belongs to him, saints. Look, look what he said in verse 11. He says, I know what? I know what? You know, God, the things that we overlook, God is interested in. Ooh, that was rich right there. The things that we overlook, the people that we overlook, yeah, yeah, amen. God says, I know, now, now this, this speaks about God's attributes. That one attribute that we know, we know all about, we hear it all the time in church, amen. He's omniscient. He's all knowing. God knows thing in, in it. God knows all things in actuality. He knows all things. Amen. From the beginning to the end, He knows it all. Why? Because He is God. Oh, hallelujah to His holy name. He is what? He is God and He knows it all. And look what it says. He says, I know every bird of the mountain and everything that moves. Who do you think He's talking about? Huh? Talk about humans. Everything that moves. What does he say? In the field is what? Mine. Mine. Do you think, do you think God was, what, what do you think God was establishing here? How sovereign he is? Right. He is saying, when you start thinking that this silver is yours, Haggai also says in another verse, he says, when you put your hand in your, when you put your money in your pocket, it's going to be like putting it in your pocket with holes in it. That's why Haggai then lays out where he says, God says, the silver is mine. Everything is mine. So if everything is mine, then what you ought to do? Give it back. But, but, but here's the thing now. I, you know, I'm establishing that, but I, I want you to understand that you must be a good steward. One of the things I'm teaching my students right now is I'm not just talking about your money here. 
One of the things I'm teaching my students about. I have, I have some students on Tuesday morning. They're older students. So they, they're like in their 60s. Matter of fact, one of my students is in her 70s. And I count it an honor to be her instructor to teach her the Bible. God has blessed me to be to, 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 to instruct her. And I'm like, wow, thank you, Lord. You know, I know it ain't mine. It's yours. Right? And, and, and one of the things that she's struggling with right now is this time thing. You know, and I have some other students. All my students pretty much are retired, right? And they're like, man, it's just it's hard to put my life in a structure because I've been instructed all my life. But one of the things I shared with them today, I said, but you have to be a student. And so what I did was I, I gave them a, 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 a time log and they were supposed to log their time and, and, and order their time so that they can get their homework done, they can get their family time in. And the reason why I'm saying, oh yeah, you're in that class. Yeah, you, he's in this class. Amen, he's in this class too. Matter of fact, both of y'all too, right? And so, and so watch this. So what they're learning is they're learning how to, to order their private world. Now watch this. All I'm teaching them is to be a better steward of their time. The same way we waste time is the same way we waste money. Amen. There's a direct link to it because guess what? It is what? It is his. Watch what he says here. Watch what he says here. He says, verse 12, he says, look what he says in verse 12. He says, if I were hungry, what did God say? If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. What could you do for me? I mean, think about this for a minute, right? What possibly could we do for God? God is self-sufficient. It's another word you need to know. He's self-sufficient. He is pure actuality. With no potentiality. If God had potential, it means that he needed to grow. Or he would need to learn something. So he's pure actuality. He knows everything. And so God says to you and I, hey, if I need this, if I was hungry, I wouldn't go to you. Watch this. How can the creator come to the creature? I'm trying to establish something. Watch this. For anything. So when you go to give, <laughs> you know, you go in this pocket. Yeah. You don't go in the, where all the money is. You. You go in this pocket right here, right? Some people think I'm doing them a favor. I'm doing God a favor. People think like that, y'all. Believe it or not, they do think like this. There's, they, some people think, well, when I, they, you know, they, they, they need this. Let me tell you, let me, let me help you with something. I've been here 11 years. And, and, you know, over the summer, it gets tough in the church financially. And I've watched God this year, even though we had to move and shift and move and shift and move and shift and, you know, borrow from places that we should not have borrowed from and things like that. 
But I've watched God supernaturally. Not only take care of the church, but he took care of me and my family. I didn't have to beg. I, I didn't have to, I didn't have to come out and say, let's, let's take up another offering. No, 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 no. Because I am with the belief that God says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. So that simply means that when I give to God, I'm not doing him a favor. I'm not doing the church a favor. I'm simply obeying his word. And obedience saints, come on somebody, it's way better than sacrifice. And when you obey God in the small things, come on somebody, he will be able to trust you with bigger things. Some of us shouldn't should be in the six figures right now. Come on, somebody. I just want to share something with you. You have the heart, you have the potential, you have the skill, you have the ability, you have the drive for promotion. But maybe you're thinking that you're doing God a favor. God is saying, hey, 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 hold on a minute. Watch verse 12. You got it up there? If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world. Folk up in here. I wish I had some folk that was excited about God. He says, for the what? For the world. So we've established three things. Four, four things that belongs to God. What's, what's the first thing we established? Well, let's count them. Silver and gold is his, right? 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 We established that he says, what else? The beast of the field is mine. Everything that moves in the field is mine. The machinery, the car, whatever it takes to get the job done is mine. The computer is mine. Everything that's moving. So we got silver, gold, beast, what else? Whatever moves. And then he comes here and he says, what else now is his? Belong to God. The world. I'm saying it one more time. The world. So if the world belongs to God, what in the world am I worried about? When life gets tough, I must remind myself one more time that it all belongs to who? God. Look at verse, look at verse 13. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls? Or drink the blood of male goats? Look at verse 14. Offer to God. Offer to God. A what? Of what? What do you think that is?
What do you think a sacrifice of thanksgiving is? Okay. All right. Anybody else? We got some Bible scholars in here. Y'all been in church a long time. Y'all smart. Offer to God what? Sacrifice? Huh? Yourself? Okay, I'll take that. What else? Come on, we we'll talk back to you. Think, think about the word thanksgiving for a minute. The word for thanksgiving is Tobah. And it carries the idea of praise. But watch this. It has the idea of a a choir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't think you're hearing me. See, see, here's the thing. God's saying, there's nothing that you can bring to me. But what you can bring to me is when you're bringing it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to your name, Lord. I, 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 I worship you, God, because I realize, Lord, that life has been tough, but Lord, I, I told out you, God. Lord, I may have sat there when the choir was singing and I didn't move one bit, but, but when it comes time for offering time, he says, watch where I'm going with this. He says, he says, offer a, notice what he says. He says a sacrifice. Sometimes it may cost you something. That's what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice will cost you something. And sometimes we're giving and it's not hurting us. But sometimes you got to move past your comfort zone and you got to come to God. It may be your last hundred dollar bill, but you got to walk before him and say, God, I offer you this sacrifice of praise today. I told you, God, because I understand that it belongs to you. God is more interested in the giver than the gift. He, he's interested in the gift, but if it comes from the giver as a toda, a praise, a thanksgiving, what, what do you do for someone that you are truly thankful to? What do you do for them? You show them, right? You, you know, has, can I ask a question? Has anybody ever done anything for you? Can, can you recall anything? Any favors? Any anything? Anybody? Can anybody share with me? Can, can you remember when, when? I mean, when was the last time somebody did something good for you? I mean, go ahead, sis. You were and you were grateful to your brother, right? This is your brother, right? You were great, weren't you thankful? And and you were like you were blown back. You felt you felt special. You're like, man, I did. 
didn't know where it was coming from, but God gave it to me. And saints, I want to say this to you. I think sometimes we don't put ourselves in a position of thankfulness because, watch this, because we're, we're always taking. We're wanting, listen, I've stopped thinking about what I want back from God. Stop doing that. And in those months that it was tough, I said, God, you know what? You will take care of me. I believe with all my heart that you love me. And I believe, God, that, 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 that no matter what it looks like in the natural, I still came here every week with a toda in my heart. When the, when the finance committee said, Pat, we can't pay you this week, Pastor. Or, or, or we can pay you, but then I said, well, the, the bill's got to be paid, you know. We, we got to pay the bills, you know. So, so let's just pay the bills and then we'll ca I'll catch it on the back end, you know what I mean? Here's the thing. I, I did it with a, I didn't do it grudgingly. I did it with a thankful heart because I understood something. I understood that God says, when you come before me, now watch this. Now I'm just, now I, I've just dealt with one piece of this verse. I just dealt with the thankfulness in your heart for bringing it, right? But watch what he says. And do what? And what? Pay your vows. God in the context already said you can't do nothing for me so that eliminates the motives for you bringing it and for the motives that God is wanting you to bring it God says baby I didn't want your tithes I wanted you I wanted your toda I wanted something sacrificial that would hurt you but you were willing to release it to show how much you love me. It's deep to me. He says, pay your vows. Isn't that interesting? Watch this. Now watch what he says in verse 15. But before we go there, he said, to the most what? To the most high. To the most who? Now remember, we keep it in context. God doesn't what? Need anything. Ooh, that's powerful. Thank you, Lord. That, that even, even if you use me, Lord, I, I thank you that I'm not doing anything for you. I'm simply falling in the plan that you have known and I'm todying you I'm thanking you because the Bible says formerly I was living in sin formerly I was going to hell formerly I was darkened in my understanding I was alienated from God I couldn't do anything but choose wrong. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls me a rubbish heap. I was like a garbage can. I wish I had somebody. But God somehow, oh, hallelujah, in this, 
hallelujah to his holy name, somehow in his sovereignty, somehow in his grace, somehow in his mercy, he chose me from the foundation of the earth. He took a lump of dirt and poured his spirit inside of me. I hope you come Sunday. I'm starting a new series entitled Empowered. See, what I found out, saints, is that we've become religious, but we have no power. God wants us to have power. He wants us to live a spirit-filled life. Starting Sunday, I'm going to reveal to you what it takes to obtain that kind of life. But I want to show you something. He says what? He says you pay your vows to the Most High. Verse 15. I like verse 15 though. Verse 15. You see, here's the thing, right? You know, you know what's you know what's interesting to me, and it, it was frustrating for me for a long time. When you start off in the, as a pastor, you don't know nothing. You, you just you think you know everything, right? Because you go to school and stuff, you think you know everything. Till you get out in this field, and you realize it's not what you thought it was, right? But, but, but let me say this to you: I always say this to myself: How can I call him a God that I don't serve? But isn't it interesting? That when folk are in trouble, the first person they call is God. How can you call on someone that you give no reverence to? That you have no relationship with? That you have no relevance to? It says context. What's the context? I don't need nothing from you. Everything is mine. You're really not bringing nothing to the table, but the one thing you're bringing is your toda, your praise. So on Sunday mornings, I'm not. I'm not. Listen, I told. I told the choir. I said, stop asking people to stand up. Don't ask. Let's stand. Stop doing that. You got to be moved, baby. You got to. You got. I left here Sunday. I was fired up. Listen, I felt like I felt back in Mount Gilead. I felt. Listen, I was so. I ain't made it to my mom's house. I said, boy, after a long day, I said, man, we heading over there, and we had a good time over there too. Point is, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, when you've been in the midst of a Spirit-filled worship, when listen, and here's the thing: what because you what you brought to the worship. Come on, somebody. You brought your toda. You brought your best toda before God. Because when you look back over your life and say, man, I got a reason. I got reasons, right? Watch this now. Watch what he said. He says, he says, call upon who? In the day of what? You know, most people can't call him. Listen. 
If you have no confidence to call him in the day of trouble, that means you ain't been doing nothing. It means you haven't served him, you haven't sacrificed, you haven't done anything. Relationship. Now you can call on him and you ain't been nothing. You listen. I know, here's what I know. Here's what I know right now about my life. I can call him anytime. I can call him anytime. You know why? Because I have developed a relationship with him. You have developed a relationship with him. So watch this. In the time of trouble, don't you shrink back. Use, watch this, use your access. Psalm 46 and 1 says this. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. It seems to me that God is really good at showing up in times of trouble. And God knew that in your life you would have trouble. So that's why he says when you do find yourself in trouble, call on me. But the reason I can call on him hurt is because I've developed a relationship with him through my praise, through my worship, through my, watch it, through my living, through my time, my talents, my treasure. I have in totality a full relationship with the creator of the universe that tells me that when I get in trouble, I'm not going to call my daddy. I'm not going to call my mama. I'm not going to call my wife. I'm going to call on the God of most high and then maybe I'll call y'all after. You know what I'm doing when I call y'all? I'm not calling y'all for y'all help. I'm calling y'all to inform y'all that I'm all right. Come on, somebody. I'm calling y'all to tell y'all, I'm good, y'all. I'm all right. God got me. You having a hard time finding a job? He got you. Why do I know he got you? Because if you're serving him. But see, your delay does not mean it's a denial. Your delay, you ready for this? Is development. Hello, somebody. Your delay is development because God does not want you and I to get distracted after he blesses you because he knows it's going to come because Satan is going to offer you opportunities to compromise. I'm saying a mouthful right here. To offer you a compromise of your devotion to him. We call that the 4D. Watch what he says. He says, call upon me what? And I'm finna close. What time? Time to close. Watch what he says. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble. And look what he says. He says, I shall. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah to his holy name. He says, I shall what? I shall rescue you 
And look what he says here. He says, and after I rescue you, you're going to turn your back on me, right? Once you get the job, you're going to fill your schedule again, right? And you know what? We ain't going to see you no more, right? Yeah, after that, right? After you call upon me and I rescued you, what you going to do? What you going to do? I'm asking you, what you going to do? Will you honor him? God says, after I bring you out, what you going to do? Church, you never say, what you going to do? What you, what you going to do? What you going to do? When you get that six-figure job, when you get that blessing, when you get that settlement, when you get that, come on somebody, when you inherit something, what you going to do? Will you honor God? And watch this. Watch this now. This is the part that really gets me right here. Watch this. This word for honor. Amen. You, you know, the word there means to be weighty. But here's what, here's what the idea is. You ready? Reference. No, sir. When I signed up, I said I couldn't work on Sundays. I know you want me here on Sundays, and I appreciate it. You know I have a family to take care of, but when I signed on, I didn't sign on for that. You got to take your stand, and you got to say, hey, I'm not compromising that. Because I reverence God, because in the day of trouble, let me let me just can I just can I just clue you in on something? Where you are is not your final stopping ground. Here's another thing. What you think is good right now is not great. That's why you're still there. And you're still struggling while there. But God wants to move you from good to great. But your definition of great has to be biblical. Has to be God's great. And God will elevate you. Wonder why some of us have not been elevated yet. Because God knows that you're operating in good. good. You know how we do just good enough? (laughs) We do just enough to, you know, to to get it? Watch this. Watch this. He says, you will what? You will rescue me, right? But I want to show you verse 16. I know I said I was going back to Nehemiah, but I can't make it back there. Look what he says. Yeah, I wanted to go there. But to the who? God says, what right have you to tell my and to take my covenant in your mind? Will a man rob God? What right do you have to come to church and say you hot when you don't even give? (laughs) 
What right do you have coming out your mouth saying, I'm blessed and highly favored of God, but you don't never serve him? What right do you have? Come on, somebody. Where you start ordering stuff and you ain't got nothing. You haven't, you, you, you're spitting out God's words, but you're not faithful. You're spitting out God's word, but you're, you're on the fence one month and the next month you, you're back and forth. How can you have authority if you're not with him? What he says. What right do you have? To tell of my statutes. You know what they were doing? They were, the wicked was taking God's word and twisting it for their own good. What did he say? And take my what? My covenant in your mouth. Go to the next verse. <laughs> this is what the problem is with us. He says what? Pastor, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. You don't want to be pastor. You want to be out in the pasture. You, you want to be in the you want to be community property. But when you have a shepherd, you know what he does? Here's what the shepherd does. Here's what the shepherd does. The shepherd examines you. He looks at you. He, he makes sure you're not sick. He tells you something. It's for your food. Some people, you know what they do? They get mad. I can't believe he said that to me. For you what? And, and watch this now. And watch this now. And you do what? You stop there. Let's just stop. Let's just stop. Right. Shoot. What verse was that? 17? You, 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 you want to see verse 18? Look at verse 18. Look, look at it. When you see a thief, you're pleased with him. And you associate with what? Hold on there, hold on there, hold on there. You want me to help you in the day of trouble, but you hanging out with the world. Now, I joke about this all the time. You in the club and all that stuff. God said, it's time out for that. You see people doing wrong. And you say, all right, cool. You're cool, man. You're cool. I like what you're doing. You're associated with what? Now, now, you know what that is, right? What is that? That's not an idolatry difference. You're a cheater. You like married men and women. You like folk that hang out with that. That's the crowd you hang around with. Go ahead, go to the next verse, go to the next verse. You let your what? You lie. And so when you come to church, that's all you got. Because of the company that you keep. 
people you hang around with, the words that come out your mouth, you have no joy. You have no peace because all you do is cuss all day. Speak negative. That's all you do. That's all you do is speak negative all the time. Listen, it's time. God says time to grow up. The shepherd will expect you and say, baby, you got to change that. Watch this. Watch this. Watch what he said there. What did he say there? You sit and speak against what? You slander your own. Keep reading. These things you have done, and I have. See, see, see let, me, let me say something about God. Let me say something about God. Let me say this about God. He's not moved. You know, I've been trying to teach about God here at this church for a minute. When I went to L.A., God told me, I want you to go back and teach about me. So that's what I'm getting ready to do after we're done. We've got two more weeks of this, and then I'm going into God. I'm going to talk to you about the basic doctrines of the faith. But I want to talk to, I want to, talk to you about God, who he is, how holy he is. Do you know God does not tolerate, nor can he stand sin? He, 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 just, he just can't stand it. Because he's holy in his character. Watch this. These things you have done and I've kept silent. You thought that I was just like you. You know what we do? We bring God down to where we are. And we start saying, oh, God's cool because I'm under grace. You know, I cuss, I do this, I do that. You see the list. I don't have to, right? God says, I've seen you. Remember the context now. Everything is mine. I'll come to your rescue. But how can I rescue you if you think I'm like you? And watch this. I will what? Reprove you and, the, and state the case in order. You, you know what God's saying? When I discipline you, you won't, be, you won't even be able to argue with me. You know why? Because I'm going to show you what you did wrong. And I'm going to make sure that the punishment fits the crime. I'm not going to discipline you out of anger because I'm God. I don't get angry. Amen. But if I do get angry, it's something about a person in the hands of an angry God. 